I'm Joe Atalig. My life is driven by one burning question. What would it mean for me if I looked at life through the lens of love? In my pursuit to answer that question, I'm sparking conversations with thought leaders, change makers, and risk takers who are exploring the undeniable possibilities when we look at life through love. It is my intention that these conversations will help you find your own answers to that question too. Welcome to the Lens of Love Podcast. Today's episode is one that I have been anxious to start. And I've met a new friend and I've brought her on to have a conversation of how love has been the conduit to the release of not just physical weight, but the weight of the world she was carrying the majority of her life. Welcome back to the Lens of Love podcast. And today, all the way from Australia, I have my newest dear friend, Jenny Marshall. And what I know about you, Jenny, well, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe. <laughs> it's good to speak to you. Oh, yes. It's so awesome. And you can talk all day because I love your accent. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's different. I, it, it, I always wonder, do we have accents? I mean, the American, is the, do you count it an accent? I remember my mother as a child, when I was a child, I said to her, mum, do we have accents? She goes, no, no, we don't have an accent. Everybody else does. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Australians don't have accents. <laughs> but yes, you have accents, quite strong accents. Really? That's so interesting. Mm. That just came to me. Well, Here's what I know so far in the short time that we have met is that, you know, you grew up in, in the country, in Australia, mm. Mm. and gosh, I've just been touched by your story. I know that in the suffering of abuse, that eating was the way that you compensated. Yes. And by the time you reached 12, you had weighed close to 300 pounds. Yes. And as you continued to eat in your adulthood, you reached a peak somewhere, uh, you know, cl actually close to 600 pounds at one point. Yeah. Um, and then something I'm going to ask you to share more about is that there was a close friend who shared, she had a fear of losing you. And mm. at that point is where you knew you were loved mm. and that someone cared. And you began this amazing journey out of your pain. And mm. so, um, I want to just get started and share, share with us, Jenny. Um, by the way, your website is beautiful. Thank you. And um, also your Facebook page, Jenny's Thoughts. And what a beautiful way to capture what is happening inside of you. Mm -hmm. Share it to the world where people can relate, be inspired, and actually find a doorway to their own healing. So yes. thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. <clears throat> um, so take us back in terms of, um, you know, kind of what I encapsulated in your journey in discovering love. Well, the particular uh, point you're talking about was my friend was about to go over 
travel from this where we live now to a, one of the cities and to do a course over a long weekend. And I was always pretty insecure when she went away because I was clingy, thinking no one could possibly love me, including her. I questioned her love. I guess I thought that her love was not so much for me, but I just assumed she loved me because that's the kind of person she was. She loved everybody, that I wasn't significant, that I wasn't valuable myself. And she was about to go on the plane. And for some reason, I don't know what had shifted in me, I said, I think I want to live now. Tears came to her eyes. She got all teary. And I said, what are you upset about? What are you crying about? And she said to me, oh, that's good because I wonder what life would be like without you. Mm. And I thought, oh, that really pierced my into my heart. And I thought... I matter. You would miss me. It's not just that you loved me because you love everybody or that you're a loving person, but there was something in me that was valuable enough to keep alive, that was worth looking after. Hmm. And it was at that point that I started to work on the vessel or the body that held my heart, my soul, my intellect, me, I started to care for it. And the only way I could journey out was to find the triggers or the reasons behind my overeating and my self-rejecting, self-hating patterns, which I was a master at. And I still struggle with from time to time because I guess we all do. And as I did... Just that love had touched me. And see, with love, it's it's the most amazing thing because once it touches you, it gives you energy to keep going mm-hmm. and it spurs you on. Right. And from that point, she went away and I started to walk. <laughs> and it was tough. I mean, I was so obese and... I had some shoes, but I got blisters and my legs ached and my joints hurt and and I got rashes because I had a lot of folds of fat and skin. Um, it was tough, but I kept pushing through. The eating was more difficult. Um, changing my diet was a real psychological thing, a real pattern. And I've learned a lot over the time that I'd become addicted to food. Effectively, I'd... You know, you tend to really like the things that aren't good for you or that trigger an unhealthy reaction, and that was me. I was getting... The comfort in the food. Yes, comfort and also uh, there's sort of an adrenaline high when your body's reacting to something. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. And, I mean, it's been a, a long journey of twists and turns and lots of things have happened over time. And there are times when I thought, this is never going to go. No matter what I do, this weight isn't going to go. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I'd lost so much weight. And then this same friend said, look at this. This is what these plastic surgeries are offering over in the over the border. And that was an apronectomy or a abdominoplasty, which is the taking of the flesh of the lower abdomen. I was terrified, but something within me, there was something burning within me that said, come on, 
do it. Mm. And I, you know, it's funny how your mind plays games because I said to her, why are you showing me this? I thought you didn't want me to have it done. She said, no, no, I never said that. And I thought, oh. <laughs> in other words, I didn't want to have it done. That's how I'd read it. Yeah. So I was terrified that I was still obese and I still thought I was, you know, really big. But very interestingly, when they took it off, um, basically I was big boned and I had never known how big my chest cavity was. I just had this layer of fat and skin. And wow. they took them off and it was just incredible. And I felt like I was being carried on a carpet of love or something through that whole experience. Wow. And I was terrified of going in because of the shame I felt about how I look physically. Mm -hmm. And I guess what had been done to me for me to get to that place. And of course I made jokes. I have nicknames, had nicknames. I used to call that layer of skin Barry. And he'd been with me forever, Barry the Belly. And I made a lot of jokes about being gutted and things like that after the surgery. And um, I did say to the surgeon afterwards, you just say goodbye to Barry for me. And she laughed. Right. Yes, I did. <laughs> when I went into surgery, I mean, they were, the anaesthetist thought it was hilarious when she was, I was telling her about Barry. Yeah. And in I went and, and they were lovely to me. They said, here she is. And, you know, I came out of that surgery and this, I was waking up and this guy said, wakey, wakey, it's all over now. And he said, can you tell me what procedure you've had done? And I smiled and I said, I've had a bariectomy. <laughs> <laughs> so, a live one here, he wow. said. So, I, so this occurred then after your weight loss, right? So the years and years. The, the thing years is, I still took what was 10 and a half kilos off me, which is a fair few pounds, by the way. I should actually get that, work at that with this, but it's a fair lot. Um, they still took that much from me because it just wasn't going. And when it went, I lost more weight because the fat cells had been affecting my metabolism anyway because they'd been there wow. when I was a child. And then I discovered that I was having the abdomen pains that I've been suffering with for a while was because of food intolerances. And it all related back to fatigue and stress from all that I'd been through. And my body was now reacting to certain foods. So I went off those foods, three days of releasing fluid and I was heaps better and I lost more weight. <laughs> That's amazing. So, gosh, there's so much I want to unpack there. Just amazing. So how did it feel to, you've been carrying this excess mm. skin and weight and then after a procedure, it, it's no longer like attached to you what was that how, well how did that feel i was staying with another friend's place in the city where i had it done because you couldn't mm -hmm. come back to here because it was too far away from the kind of medical help they want to offer anyway and i was in bed this particular night and i was um lying there and i started to cry i actually started to grieve so what have i done i've only ever known this layer of skin i've ever ever known this piece of flesh What's my life going to be like without it? Now that I don't have it, what excuses will I use for mm. my failures? Wow. It's like, you know, you need to project it onto something. And I started yeah. to cry. And then this gentle, loving thought and warmth came up from within me. And it was simply like, 
you, your body does need to reflect all the work that you've done inside. Mm. What you've worked through all those years of pain, it's good that your body is finally catching up. Oh. And it made sense of what I'd done because I don't, I, I'm part of me says, oh, it's vain. It's all those, you know, you do health wise, having the tummy taken, I discovered that I didn't have a lot of fat in my abdomen. So that's where the unhealthy fats are. So that's really good. So that wasn't a problem in that way. Mm-hmm. But um, then, then I also had phantom pains, phantom. I thought, oh, it's hot under Barry. He's not there. <laughs> or I think, oh, I want to itch. Oh, I want to itch. And like, there's nothing to scratch. Wow. And then psychologically, I mean, for others, it was like I people just looked and there were people that knew me really well. And one poor guy kept looking like, blinking like, oh, wow, because it was just like this massive cavity. Wow. I remember in the hospital, I'm sitting there and sitting down in a chair and for the first time in my life, I could see my upper thighs. <laughs> ever since I was a child. Wow. So it's been sort of fairly dramatic. Was it like a a grieving type of? Yes. Yes. Basically, I figure the way we cope with life is Mm -hmm. that we build up lots of thought patterns to cope with things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so Barry had developed as a result of my own hurt, my own shame about my sexuality, which had to do with abuse and things like that. And now that he was gone, I felt vulnerable, <laughs> exposed. Mm. It was really weird. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I, I've recently have been talking about, you know, hiding places, mm. you know, masks that we put on. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how it all shows up in us differently. Mm-hmm. I've had weight issues, you know, my entire life. Um, so this, I, what you're sharing with me just really speaks to me. I'm, I feel very, I feel it in my body, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole notion of, I mean, you said something earlier. You said, um, no, no one could love me. You felt that no one could love you. No one could love me. No. I and I, I, I mean, where I know we're going to shift here in just a minute here. Where did that belief come from? That no one could love you. I guess I'd had a lot of criticism. I'd had um, peers at school mock me over my weight all my life. There were teachers that ridiculed they were saying things um you know um and my family were very hard on themselves about their own obesity and about and i was the biggest and i know that they were most ashamed of me and i know that when i left home and my mother had been very sick she actually had a stroke and all of a sudden whatever love was there was gone for me i felt in my family I was broken and I thought, well, no one can love you. If your mother can't love you, because that's how I felt, because a stroke had changed her, Mm. I thought, no one can love me. So I went straight from that environment out into a world and to get a job. And, of course, I was obese and it was hard for me to get a job. I mean, I had to make all my own clothes at that stage. Um, 
and in the end I guess I could feel it from every angle because I mean there's no sanctuary from cultural attitudes and judgments you know from discrimination there's no sanctuary from that out there and like as soon as I stepped out the door I knew I was if someone saw me they would be judging me that's just we do it without even thinking I mean I still catch myself thinking oh that person's I think no that's not right Jenny that's not true you don't know who that person is you don't know Hmm. what's going on inside them and I had the unfortunate problem of my supposed sin being obvious to the world. <laughs> so wow. someone would look at me, oh, she doesn't exercise and she just overeats. That had been true. But then I was, but it wasn't in the later stages. I was trying to, for 20 years, trying to move this weight. I was right. trying and it wasn't going. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, now, you know, I, I think about your journey where you had this moment where you knew that you were loved. I mean, mm. it's just, I can feel in your mm. description in our previous conversation that it, it, it was a deep knowing. Absolutely. Yeah. Knowing. And, and I had had that incredible experience of love, which I haven't had to do so deep in our personal sense where the depth of love I felt went beyond an emotion and it it affected me. It seemed to just go straight through me and fill my whole body. It was just beautiful. And I just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, A, that I was loved and B, that there would always be someone who would love me no matter what. Oh, my gosh. And it was just... it was that moment, right? That moment. That was the moment that absolutely changed my life. And I have never forgotten it and I will never forget it. And considering how worthless I felt, how dirty, unclean, rejected, and this love still came to me. Mm-hmm. How could love so pure and so beautiful come to someone who felt this way but it did and it didn't stop even though i almost wanted to stop because what it was doing it was it was going against everything i believed about myself Mm. all my self-hatred everything i felt all this self-hatred inside me yet there was this love this incredible wave of love going through me so strongly and it went against everything I believed about myself Hmm. dumbfounded and I felt um, helpless to it almost like I couldn't say no to it it was so beautiful so lovely and that has stayed with me and I thought I want others to know this love Hmm. and if I have to talk about the things I feel ashamed about which is my weight my journey, the rejection I've been through so that others will know this love and realise it's within themselves too, I'll do that because it matters. It's just such a beautiful thing to experience. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just feeling all of you, Jenny. <laughs> wow. So how does one, you know, 
this experience of love and you're feeling it. And when it came through your friend, right? And, she just, and it, so I just, it, she was just but, aware of her love in the room. And she said to yeah. me, she just touched my arm and then boom, it was just wow. weird. It's just unbelievable. And I just, I'd never experienced anything like it before. And I still, it still leaves me speechless. I don't know how to explain it. I know I did nothing to get it. The mm -hmm. only thing I can think of is that I was so utterly broken. I didn't have the power, the mental ability or whatever to shut it down, deny it, whatever. I was just so desperate and so parched for love. Do you believe you were open to receive love or did the love override that mental, I think, right? That, that you can't be loved. I think that um, I was hoping to be loved. I just really needed to, to know that I was loved. And that was enough of an opening for this love to come through. And I did not expect it to be that strong. And it, I was powerless to it. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't expect it to be this strong. And it was. It just changed my life. It's, it's a hard thing to explain. And I know that we all have the same love. It's for everybody. I just think it's an element of brokenness. Um, mm -hmm or openness, brokenness, because I think you can still be fairly broken and shut down. Right. But I guess perhaps there's a combination of the two. And I was open and hoping, but I didn't expect that. Right. <laughs> Certainly oh. throws all manipulation for love out the window, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no point Absolutely. when you've got the real thing. Why would you bother? <laughs> right. So I'm really curious about the evolution and the continued growth of that love for yourself. So you've receiving this love from, in, in the terms of outside of you, from someone else, it's yep. penetrating within you. Yes. And then there's this transformation of sorts in terms of your own love that you, you have for yourself. Talk about the, the development, the, you know, the, how that unfolded where you started to move and apply that, what you were feeling to yourself. Well, what happened was this feeling or this experience was very pure mm -hmm. and incredibly overwhelming. And it's like, how can I possibly hold this up against myself when this love has come into me with that expectation, it's like you resign yourself. It's like you, you know, you sort of give up, but in a beautiful way, you give yourself over to it. It's just utterly beautiful. And then you just start to realize I can't do this anymore. And it starts to change you. And you then think I can't do that anymore. It goes against this love within me. I can't, I've got to do something about my weight. I'm going to hurt my friend. She's going to hurt. And that was a big step for me to acknowledge that my life, losing my life could hurt someone else and mm. that she loved me that much, that wow. she would hurt. I thought, I can't, and this love was like saying, you can't do that. You can't hurt her. And so 
I started to change and I started to walk, but there was always, because with love, there is always an element of hope. Even if you're feeling heavy and down, it's always, you can feel saturated by love almost, but it can feel heavy, but there's always that element of hope with it. Mm. And that's what, I, I clung to that. I clung. I did not expect that it would take as long as it did. I thought it would be a simple experience because apparently that's all I had to do was exercise and, you know, stop eating. <laughs> but it didn't work like that. Right. A lot of effort. But I just kept going with the love. I mean, I didn't want – mum had diabetes um, and that's what eventually complications from that led to an early death. I knew that I was a strong candidate for that. Um, and – I knew that I had to do something. So I just started to do it. And even that way, I started to walk. And then as I walked, of course, I connected with things around me more. And I stopped mm. being in my own shell of self-hatred. And I started to enjoy nature and how thing, the beauty in, around me. Yes. And I started to connect more with people. And there were people that absolutely encouraged me because they thought, wow. <laughs> you know, you're doing this and look at you. And it was, I mean, people had seen me walking and walking and walking and um, and there were people that absolutely admired me from doing it. Some thought I'd die, (laughs) I'm sure, because it was hard. Um, And they were some people, a lot of them were people here are just so happy for me and they feel that I deserve to to all this positive outcome. I'm very, very grateful for that. People have been so good to me about it. Yeah, I... It's interesting. So we we hear so much today, all of these mechanisms for people to get healthy and to lose weight. Mm. You know, there's the um, paleo diet, the keto yep. diet, yep. going vegan, mm. and all those are wonderful. This is the love diet, <laughs> right? A diet of love. And the love, the love diet will find what's best for you. Mm. Everyone's, we're all different as I've discovered with diet. I mean, I'm a person that needs a reasonable amount of protein. Also I get very hungry. Mm -hmm. I need something I need in the morning. I I need nuts or something with my breakfast for substance. Otherwise I just don't last. And that's what I need. Other people need a smaller breakfast, but I work best with that and I think that that accepting that we're all different is really important and without eating there is no perfect answer that one fits all is nothing like that we all have to find what works for us and you know it's not just a physical thing it's not just what guilts me to lose weight I also have to find what I'm most happy with what I can cope with with Mm -hmm. my eating and same with exercise, like walking's my thing. Sure. But I, you wouldn't send me to a gym, though. I feel like all these leotards, you know, it's just not my thing, <laughs> these people with these tight outfits. And believe me, I don't get tight for anybody. So <laughs> I just... <clears throat> so uh, for me, walking's it. And I love walking. And that's my way. So you're taking hikes and 
Yeah. And and my friend was incredible. So when I started to walk, she said, right, well, this is what you need. And it was beautiful. Look, I put a hat on because I needed the sun off my face. And then I was getting a rash from my sweat and the top of the hat. So then she found some um, sweatbands and got Mm. me to wear them with the hat. Beautiful. She bought me some walking sticks with tungsten tips so I could walk. I mean, these are things that I never did as a kid, never as a child. I didn't explore, didn't do any of these things. I was so fat. And now I'm with, because my balance isn't good because I'm quite um, bigger. And that's one thing I must say about having the, the fat taken off certain areas. It's like, oh, goodness, my centre of balance is out. What's he I'm listening, trying to work out. And a number of times I felt I was going to fall backwards. Because right. Barry was my <laughs> balancing factor on the front. Oh, Barry. <laughs> yeah. It was Wendy as the wings and Vera the veranda too. I used to say Vera used to keep my toes dry in the shower. Anyway, hmm. I, um, yeah, so it was, it was tough. So using these sticks so I can walk on rocks and climb things was just amazing. And so we would look at things. I mean, we've done Mount Kosciuszko, which is a tiny mountain compared to everywhere else. But in Australia, it is the biggest we have here. And I did that and I was pretty excited about that. That's um, oh, it's a 14 kilometre, oh, I don't know how many miles that would be, um, plateau on top. And it was quite, it just slowly goes up and believe me, I noticed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Now, and we actually got me a rain jacket as well, a Gore-Tex rain jacket to make mm-hmm. sure I walk in the rain. Right. So I'm very, yeah. very spoiled. That's amazing. I, it's fascinating to see you have a sedentary life mm-hmm. and move it to a place where you're active, mm-hmm. you're connecting with nature and I so what comes to mind to me right now, Jenny, is I know that you are exploring um, coaching. Yes, you really be an aid and a conduit to other people's transformation as well as you know their connection to love. Mm. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, um, and so for myself, I've experienced severe neuropathy right and um last year i went to see my podiatrist because i felt off balance and he gave me an amazing brace on my right um ankle Mm -hmm. um you know so i wear this within my shoes and it holds my leg in place so there's balance and i feel stronger so i could walk Yep. And I know that when I eat well, that my, you know, I'm more mobile, of course. Mm-hmm. But because of the, the neuropathy, um, the balance still is challenging. So mm-hmm. even when I go to the gym and I even walk on a trail well, I can't walk unless I'm holding on to something. Mm-hmm. And um, here in Arizona, there is a beautiful place called Sedona. And it's beautiful red rocks and a very spiritual place. And it's just Mm -hmm. gorgeous. And my ex-wife loves Sedona. So there was a time where me and my two kids and we have an adopted son. He was here and um, we all went to Sedona. And there's this place called Oak Creek Canyon. And Mm -hmm. you climb down into the creek. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I I started to lose more feeling in my legs and feet. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the lower extremities of my legs. And I remember 
hesitating walking down the you know the the trail because of my footing mm-hmm. and i was too scared because i lost my balance as they went into the creek i just watched from above mm. and i that was the last time i believe i've been in that form of nature and that was a lot that's been a good eight to ten years and mm. um it's so there's this mental when i hear that you with your weight and mm. decision, I'm going to walk. I think mm. anything is possible. So mm. I'm prefacing this pretty robustly. So bear with me. Let's say that we have a, your coach, you know, you're my coach. Mm. Uh, what would you, ha- how would you tell me about, um, share about love and what either the mindset and the hard set that would get me out and just take a walk because I'm, I resist that. I resist it. I guess what I'd say is where are you when you feel most alive? Mm. What touches your soul? Is there a place that you could go to that would touch your soul and you would feel most alive because that would draw you into walking? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And as soon as you ask that question, I live in the desert. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Pacific Islander in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've always made that joke. And <laughs> everyone who knows me knows that, you know, the coast of California is my happy place. Oh. And so the first thing that you said when, when you asked that question it was there and i've been contemplating relocating back to california Mm. um yeah and uh actually a couple weeks ago my my daughters and i went and visited my parents in in san diego and i've always been reluctant to go on the beach Mm. because of that and so i don't use a cane any longer to walk the brace helps me but i brought the cane um for the beach and the event, you know, cause it's unstable. But, you know, I, I spent more time at the beach in the, la- me, this, the last couple of weeks than I have and I can't, I can't even remember 10, 15 yeah. years, maybe even 20 years. Yeah. Um, it was just amazing just to sit there. And even though um, because of the neuropathy, you have to be careful what I walk on, you know, going in the water and what have you, I just felt I can live here, <laughs> you know, on the beach. It was just beautiful. Just putting my, um, my hands in the sand and, you know, it, it was surreal to be honest with you. So, so I, I, I thought about, yeah. And I thought about taking a walk on the beach and it's scary. It scares me to even think about it. Yep. I hear yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I was terrified I was going to fall over. Yeah. But I took the risk and that's, it, it was worth it. The yeah. experience was worth the risk. And what was the worst thing I thought that could happen to me? Mm-hmm. And the worst yeah. thing would be, oh, well, if I fell over and cracked my head, I guess I'd die doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> and that's sort of we're in my happy place. Yes. That's the worst thing. And I guess what I was going to say to you is that it sounds like when you're at the beach, you experience a part of your soul where love resides that you don't experience as much as you'd like to. 
Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's a beautiful yeah. place, isn't it? Yes. Beautiful. Yes, I absolutely. Think, yeah, it's yeah, just well, the best. Yeah, I just saw an article that I actually posted on my timeline. And it was this uh, a, um, a woman who could not walk mm. um, went on an adventure, a hike, I believe it was, with a blind man. Mm. And he carried her on his back, you know, in a, you know, she was a tiny woman. Mm. And so she can't walk, he can't see. And as you know, I'm blind in my left eye. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can still walk, but, you know, there's, mm. I, I, it's hesitant. And I, my cap, my comment was, you know, anything is possible. Mm. Because I think about traveling and I think about what am I missing out on? You know, because I do want to, as I've, I've, as I've gotten the revelation of how nature is God's way of teaching me how to be. <laughs> just, you know, not worrying about a thing. And just, yeah. you know, um, I've made the excuse that I can't connect with nature in Arizona. It's too hot. <laughs> or, you know, so it's just me making up a story of why I can't do something. Mm-hmm. And so you've really inspired me. Oh, um, thank you. Decision that I love what you said when we were talking about the love diet, and you said, "Love will find what's best for you." Yes, you follow the nudge. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting because it's so easy to overlook that gentle nudge because. It's not shocking, it's not painful, it's not harsh, it's not fearful. It doesn't give you any of those feelings, that love, it just draws you. And even if you physically or emotionally don't feel good, the sense of love inside you is so pleasant, I found, Mm -hmm. that you can keep going that direction. You can just keep treading on. Yeah. Mm. Wow, for our listeners, Jenny... Give us a capsulized summary of what your either definition, your belief of what you know about love. I believe that love never ends and it never stops. I believe that it is with us forever. And as much as we heal and let go of our pain and things in life that we are attached to we become that love and what we are is forever as well Mm. gorgeous absolutely Mm. gorgeous oh that is just so wonderful so you know i i know that how love has guided you to a place you know of serving you know, mm. in, you know, in, in coaching. And I know, um, share a little bit about what's evolving for you. Um, I know you in your professional life in, in terms of, um, you work in HR, I believe. Am I, do I have, uh, I'm an accountant. You're an accountant. Okay. But I do have, but I do have a personality as I say to people, <laughs> <clears throat> a wicked one. And that's another thing that love does. It gives you a really good sense of humor. <laughs> and it, not, it doesn't hurt others. It's just a good. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I do HR and workplace safety, and I work for a not-for-profit organisation oh. that helps mm-hmm. others and cares for others. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, I do that. I have taught at the uni here, which I've absolutely mm-hmm. loved the connection with people. And <clears throat> my friend, who was the doctor, had said, "Why don't you do this course?" And it's through functional medicine, and it's very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and um, I have found that the course has been very affirming of what I do naturally, which is really to listen and to not necessarily give answers, but just help someone find what's within themselves because mm-hmm. i think we're all we all know what's right yeah. just that we've been taught not to listen yeah. we've been taught to please others or we've been taught to seek love externally from mm-hmm. others to get their approval rather than to experience it within ourselves right yes and so from this that'll give me the i guess the certificate to do that to actually coach in that way um, but of the book, I'm, I've written a book, and we're seeking now to um, for agents and publishers, and that's a bit exciting and nerve wracking. Um, I have a website that's just gone up this week, so it's all a bit exciting. Agreed. I feel ra- I'm rather out there. I took a um, look; it's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. with my greyhound who I love. Yeah. <laughs> He's oh. currently asleep. Yeah. What's his What's his name? His name's Dreamy. <laughs> Dreamy. Yes. Well, my friend said to me, well, because he's the man of your dreams. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. His name was Meany, meaning business was his race name. And so we called him Dreamy. It rhymes anyway. There you go. I love it. That's wonderful. So, um, yeah. So that, that's my intention. My intention is hopefully the book will um, touch people's lives. I, help, I want them to know that. Um, there is hope that there is love for all, no matter how you feel about yourself or whoever you are. And I mean, even beyond what I can do and my future, I guess the feeling, I, the intention within me is that I just want people to know that they are loved, that there is love, and this love is bigger than they ever understood and bigger than themselves, and it's beautiful. And it only has good for us. Mm. That's what I want. And so the book and the coaching and the website and Facebook page, which is Jenny's Thoughts, Insights from a Healing Soul, they are all, the intention of that is for people to know love, for them to know, to lift the shame because shame tends to shut us down into a small world, whereas love draws us out. So the intention is from that for people to recognise what I share because I'm fairly open, recognise that them in them, within themselves if it's there and then think, ah, and then let the love flow. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Well, for those of you who are anxious to take a look, you can find Jenny at jennystarts.com and like she mentioned, her Facebook handle is Jenny Stotts, Insights from a Healing Soul. Oh, you have to visit her for sure. And I'll include her contact information in the show notes. And I, Jenny, just what a pleasure to have you. And you. It, it's just so wonderful to be able to have allies and, you know, love allies. 
throughout the world now. I can say I have a friend across, you know, the seas um, where we're connected in so many different ways. And that as we send this love wave throughout the planet, that people will open up to the love that we both experienced and know is the answer to any question that life may bring us. Absolutely. So thank you for being with us today. Um, Much love to you. Um, I'm so blessed to know you. Yeah, and you're a beautiful guy. So thank you very much for your kindness and your warmth. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening today. And uh, gosh, I'm just so moved to, to say, you know, don't leave love left undone. If what you heard today, if you felt it in your body, repeat your curiosity. If it brought a thought, love, take action today. Whether it's to with yourself or someone, um, demonstrate that love today. Um, Thank you again for joining another episode of Lens of Love. We'll see you on the next side. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lens of Love podcast. If today's episode brought value and insight, you can help us advance the movement and the message by doing these three things all at the same time. First of all, give us a shout out on the platform that you're listening on. And then a five-star rating would be absolutely amazing and appreciated. And then lastly, of course, is subscribe to the podcast so that you can join the love wave that is happening across the planet. Now, you can find me on Facebook at Love Joe and on Instagram at Love Joe underscore Lens of Love. And visit me on my website at joeitalic.com. Thanks again for listening. And always remember, love is still the answer.